to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) We are really pumped to have our guest on today, who is not just intelligent, but funny, interesting, and a dog mum. And we love all of those things. Um, and hi, Dean. Hi. Welcome to the podcast as well, sir. I feel like I might be a bit of a uh, passenger in this one today. Because we're going to talk about menstrual cycle rings. And you guys are just vibing already and I'm just, I feel like I might just sit back and just You can get your life. period if you really want to. <laughs> Would you like to? I mean, the mood that I have during a contest prep is pretty much the same. <laughs> Olivia, we'll get you okay. to introduce yourself <laughs> in a sec. But I understand you're child averse and so am I. And I don't love having my period a lot of women who are really into children like oh it's a great sign fertility health I can have babies I don't fucking want babies nor do I want to bleed for a week every month but we're going to talk about periods today before we get there who are you what do you do and why do you do it so my name is Olivia Orhofsky Um, I'm happy you let me say my surname because no one ever gets it right everyone butchers it so Olivia Orhofsky Um, I'm a women's health coach and I work with a lot of complicated clients as far as their health goes their hormones what's going on with them Um, but everything really comes back to the cycle for them so and why do I do it Um, honestly because I just landed in it like I started, you know how it is when you're like a new coach and you're like, oh, what am I going to specialize in? Like, am I going to be a contest prep coach? Am I going to be like, oh, it's like strength and conditioning my thing. And like, you look back and you're like, oh God, like that's, that's not how you go about it. But like, think back to when you were like one year out of your PT or whatever certification. And that's what you think. And I just landed. Sorry, our camera yeah. cuts out, but our audio is good. You just ignore it. Okay, the that's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just landed in it because the clients that kept coming to me um, were seriously fucked up. Like they were seriously fucked up. No one was listening to them. No one had any concept of what was going on with their cycle. No one had any concept of what to do with their training nutrition based on the issues they were having. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Can you give us a summary of the fucked upness? Like, what exactly are we talking about? Oh, my God. Where do I start? It's, you know, it's really hard because every single client is so fucked up in a different way. But it, if I could have, honestly, a dollar for every client that has come to me that has had PCOS or now all the clients that are popping up with endometriosis, it is like, it is seriously disproportionate to the clients that have no issues. Like I reckon I have probably two clients that have nothing wrong with their cycle that have like that perfect 28, 30 day cycle, longly, lovely, lovely luteal phases, ovulate on, you know, when they should be ovulating. That's like, honestly, like two or three, the rest of them are just so fucked up with everything that's going on with them. And they just keep getting all this shitty, shitty advice from all these practitioners around them. And in the past, maybe not so much now, but in the past, like what they were told to do. And it's like, none of that is actually helping them. So it's, yeah, most of them, honestly, is PCOS and endo. Um, but the clients that have come to me with some serious thyroid issues, and it's like, it's popping up now a lot more because the education portal that I work with in the UK supplement needs there's a lot of UK people who are now finding their way to me and it's 
insane what is going on through the UK with drug abuse, with competition prep, with thyroids. And it's like the absolute wild west. And I like, like, I just look at it and, and I'm like, oh, holy shit. So it's like now it's this whole new level of clients coming to me with all these thyroid conditions where I'm like, ooh, this is, this is new. I've never seen this in blood work before. Dean just competed in the UK. So we've been exposed to, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was about to ask, hmm, I wonder if you've seen a major difference between the UK and Australia. Um, because the UK personal use of steroids is legal, uh, readily yeah, available. Yeah, it's insane. <clears throat> and it's they're insane. all very, very open with their use. Whereas Australia, it's very hush-hush, which is maybe not a bad thing, though, because at least you are getting women coming to you saying, hey, this is what I do, this is what I've done, this is what my problems are. Whereas in Australia, most of the women are like, no, I've never used anything. I just seem to have these problems just magically appear out of nowhere. They're embarrassed to tell you the truth. Yeah, so. mm -hmm. And also in Australia, because um, personal use is not legal without a prescription, People are getting drugs cooked in the bathtub of... You know, oh, they're still underground in, in England. Oh, really? I thought... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still underground. Right. Okay, yeah. in Turkey, you can buy over-the-counter. Mm, you can. Yeah, um, okay. But, yeah, that, that, that's actually aligns with what my expectations were because there's also a lot of intense, and I say intense negatively in that there's bad coaching, uh, except for a select group of people in the UK that are, are a lot more aware of what's and going Australia, on. And Australia, I'm going to say. Yeah, I just mean there's... the level of uh, drug use in the UK. Right. Like, gotcha. Um, versus the, the quality of coaching availability, I suppose, is, um, again, improving, like you said, but mm. that's everywhere. So you, um, I really want to talk more about your coaching and what you're doing with this ring, but I'm also really interested to hear about how you got here. So I understand that you began your professional life as a model. Can you I talk did, me through yeah, the, the like transition? Uh, so it was, do you know, it's funny because this like, it really feels like a separate life. Like it doesn't feel like I lived that life anymore because I've obviously been so deeply entrenched in coaching for well, like eight, eight or nine years now. And, and like, that's not a long time in the scheme of things, right? That, that's really not. But it's because it's been so much my life that I'm like, oh, wait, like I modeled and I traveled and I did that. Mm. Um, that was that was completely different to like what, because I mean, what we see now with, with health and with training and with what a lot of people do with their health and training is very different to what you would see in modeling where it's like that restriction. And it's, it's like extreme restriction because you're trying to get your body composition to that model physique with those certain measurements you need your waist measurement to be a certain thing my hip measurement when I was modeling was 34 inches that now that's tiny that's that's uh, under 100 centimeters it's very small um and I'm a I'm a relatively tall human being with like trucker hips so the fact that I was down to that size is just like you, I'd turn sideways and I'd disappear. And that's the same kind of thing that you would see across the board with all of these girls, like all of them using laxatives, all of them restricting, all of them, you know, binging and then purging. It's just the, the habits that you have in that industry are so, so, so unhealthy. So it's like, that's kind of where I started and like, I had an interest in health when I was modeling. So I'd be helping the girls and it's like, it's like that you don't know what you're doing, but like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go to the gym. Like, do you guys want to go with me? Or like I'm cooking, I'm cooking some chicken or I'm making like a paleo wrap or whatever. 
Um, and that's really where it started. And so it was like, okay, well, there's like these girls need help. And so I'd be helping them. And then when I came back to Australia and was going to take a little bit of a break before going back overseas again and then didn't end up going overseas, um, that's where I kind of was like, okay, like I want to start moving away from this. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not mentally stimulated. Um, conversations like when I go into shoots, when I go to shows, it's always the same fucking thing. And I was just like, I just need more. Um and then I remember I was sitting online and I was like, okay, like, cool, what am I going to go study? Like, how am I going to help people? And, like, I look back at this all the time where I'm like, God, you're so fucking stupid. Like, why didn't you just, like, stick to it? But I was like, oh, well, you know, I could go do biomed and then go into medicine. And then I was like, oh, no, by the time, like, I finish my degrees and then I'm, like, working and making money, I'll be in my 30s. Now I'm in my fucking 30s and I'm not making money so I'm like I might as well have fucking gone and done that like we'd be in the same position and I would have had that degree um so there's there's one lesson for everyone you're going to age no matter what happens right you might as well like start doing whatever you're supposed to be doing um but then it started there and I was like okay cool well like what can I do to help people what's what's one of the easiest ways to help people well I'm already interested in training I'm already interested in health from that aspect I've already been helping people so let's just do that and the models that you used to work with have they reached out for any assistance from you or are they still binging and purging and restricting there's quite a few that I still speak to like on a personal level because we formed great friendships um, there's some that I've seen on social media who are still kind of in the same cycles and Mm. you know it's still in the modeling sphere still in that kind of world um but I can't say that any of them have reached out but the ones that I do still keep personal relationships with will will speak to me about it or like hey this is going on or whatever it may be but yeah it's it's a hard one to leave and it's like the the confidence that you lose being in that industry like you you walk into a casting, right? And there's 20 other girls who look exactly like you and you don't get the job because of like one small thing. Like they don't like how your rib looks here. They don't like how this part of your hair looks. They don't like this part of your nose. So it's like you become just like, you're not a human being. You are just a coat hanger. You are, you're a product. Um, Do you think yeah. this is a little bit off topic? And maybe one for the hot topic at the end. But do you see a huge difference between that? Because you said, you know, you're a coat hanger. It's like, I guess you're as strong as your your weakest link. Do you see a big difference between that and like bikini competitions? Oh, fuck no. Fuck no. I I look at like what bikini competitions are um, or what like the whole competing industry is. And I always see this where it's like the before and after photo it's like oh my god here I was anorexic and here I am competing oh like you're not any healthier you've just taken like that one obsession into competing like your body fat percentage is still the same like you still don't have your period you're just on steroids. but you have muscle no, that's you're just on steroids you're just on steroids and you've just got muscles so mm. um yeah it's the, the same fucking thing and like the big the, and that's probably why like I like I don't have clients who compete if I had a client who's been a long-term client who wanted to I would take them through a prep because I know their body so well but like if a client re- if someone reached out and wanted to compete I wouldn't take them on just for a comp prep you know there's there's comp prep coaches as you guys 
Um, so I wouldn't wouldn't take them on. Um, but it's just like it's insane. It's it's insane what that competing industry is. And like you're standing on stage against physiques that are incredible. You look just as incredible. And then you're telling me like when I competed that my points went down because of my hair, because mm. of my makeup, because of my tan. Yeah. Because of like, because someone else's symmetry was like this much better, but like, how do you gauge this much better? It's yeah, it's. Mm. That's something we're always similar. really clear with that comp prep going Dean. Well, I was going to say, it's exactly the same that you're not judged. You're not going there to be judged on what you're good at. You're going there to be judged on what is. Lacking. wrong or lacking mm. so that that can then technically be fixed next time and it's all subjective so yeah it is and the hard part is as well I think with with comp preps is I mean this is a sport like not everyone is built to compete not everyone is not everyone has the um like and yes you can go into the nuance of whatever it may be like their motivation and like their drive and like yes they like I got the grit to go through it but not everyone has the physique to pull together a good comp physique. And then it's like, it's so popular that every Harry, Dick and Tom has been competing. It's like, well, no, you shouldn't fucking be on stage. Mm. Um, so yeah, you don't, don't start me on comp prep. And do you think it's cool. easy for people to get lost with, oh, you know, I really got into fitness. I feel better. And then it's almost like when you're in a relationship, the next thing to do is to get married. Like, you know, there's another path. You don't have to. Like, it's like when people start building muscle, getting, oh, I can compete. And I think all they see is the pictures on Instagram. They don't see all of the stuff that goes into it, all of the, and because. All the things that fall out of their hair, head like their hair. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's, yeah. And it's not that we are innately against competitions, but I do think there needs to be a really good reason. And I also believe that coaches uh, need to take the responsibility to make sure their clients know what they're in for, like the risks, the sacrifices. And, you know, that's, we do, I, I'm not a comp prep coach personally, because it goes against my values, but I do think it's important that there are good comp prep coaches out there, AKA the ones yeah. that flex success that do an unhealthy thing in the healthiest possible way. And if their clients are going to yeah. do it anyways, they may as well be guided properly. Yeah. Um, so but I think we've spoken about this on the podcast too. This is also actually, uh, I actually don't coach uh, women into contest preps anymore, Olivia, because my experience was is that they lacked the foresight into what they were potentially going to be doing to themselves when they were using hormones, despite the fact that we would have the conversation around, you know, this is worst case scenario, this is the safer use model versus the drug use model versus the mid-range model. And they always just took the easier option because it's easier. What more drugs? No, like or oral drugs over injectable drugs or non-hormonals versus hormonals and all this sort of stuff, right? Right. Um, and the path was always like, <clears throat> if you take the safer approach, it's going to be longer. So then oh, no, I'd rather the shorter one. And I was like, nah, I don't want to be the guy, despite the fact that I would back myself to do this in a healthier approach than most to then be aligned with or uh, uh, yeah, aligned with later on when they're like, oh, I really wish I didn't grow a mustache. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I really wish you had the foresight to listen. So um, girls is a really interesting one in the comp rep space because the, the repercussions are far greater. Because men get more masculine, females, yeah. Yeah. Not that our goal as a female is to be like hyper feminine, 
but I suppose no. like a tattoo, we can regret it later. No, but the thing is like, you're exactly right with what you're saying, Dean. It's like they're, as much as we may not want to reproduce, maybe that's not something I'm thinking about now, like, you know, 20 years old, that's not something I'm thinking about. But do I want to be doing something that could potentially impact me for the rest of my life and inability to conceive? No. Do I ever want to do that to a client? No. It Like, it doesn't matter to me that they're saying, oh, well, you know, I don't need my left arm now. I'm going to chop it off just because you're saying you don't need it. It's the same thing. So it's like, I don't really believe women should be competing just because our stress physiology is so much more delicate than a man's. And it takes so much less to break us. Um, and when we're talking about the levels that we now have to go to with drugs for competing and the physique that we have to bring in, it's just like it's, yeah, it's not worth it. Like I see some of these physiques on, on social media and I'm like, yeah, it's a fucking incredible physique. Like you look like you're carved out of stone, but tell me what your clit looks like. <laughs> and or tell me how you like feel. like yeah well no, but this is, when yeah. did you last have a cycle when did you last bleed when did you last ovulate i guarantee you it's going to be about five years ago yeah, yeah. while we are talking about female cycles um because your smart ring for females is centered around the menstrual cycle maybe you can um talk us through that what made you decide a smart ring was the way to go why a female centered one um and why didn't you make it a rainbow color no, that one's an irrelevant question. <laughs> Don't answer the last one. Oh, look, I can try and answer the last one. It's um, it's really expensive to do things in manufacturing, so that's probably why it's not a rainbow <laughs> colour. Um, so really this starts with the fact that when we're talking about a menstrual cycle, right, we do have our, our phases of our menstrual cycle and the only way to know that we actually have gone into a different phase of our menstrual cycle is by confirming ovulation. How do we do that? We can do that with blood work in a mid-luteal phase test, or we can take our temperature. When we see our temperature spike, that's when we know we've ovulated. And like, of course, we have to meet certain temperature rules to, to confirm that, but that's when we know, right? Trying to get clients to take their oral temperature every day is like pulling fucking teeth. Like, you think getting a female to eat 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight is hard? Try and get them to take their fucking temperature in the morning. That's that's a whole other level. Um, so really it started with, with that where I was like, all, I have all these clients, I have no fucking idea what's going on with them. Okay, I have this knowledge about women's health and I have like all this stuff I want to do. I don't fucking know when to do it because they won't take their temperature um and so that's really where it started where I was like okay what's what's a way that I can get their temperature taken overnight um and actually pull that together and then I was like well while I'm fucking here like I might as well make it something else and make it something better and, and look at like stress physiology as well like well shit we're already here and that's where it really started because obviously overnight we're going to get the most data we're going to get the most, like the largest block of sleep of a largest block of data where we can really analyze it and look at what's coming out as opposed to when we're trying to take an oral temperature in the morning. What time did you wake up? <clears throat> what time did you go to sleep? You know, did you get out of bed to pee before you took your temperature? All of this stuff. So that's really where 
where it started and the reason it's it's only for women is because men fucking have enough shit out there all of our (laughs) science all of our shit is built on the male model when you look at science as it is now and all of the studies that we have where women are included they don't factor in the menstrual cycle when they do factor in the menstrual cycle they don't confirm ovulation and that's problematic that's really problematic when we're talking about anything to do with medications nutrition and like yes there is like a lot of awesome research out there specifically for women but to compare it to what what is there for males or where they didn't factor these things in where they did include women everything is built on the male model so all of the wearables on the market at the moment unless they're specifically built for women they're built for men Mm. even the iphone is built to fit the male hand that's why i have a mini because comparatively the mini fits my hand like the normal phone fits it's for blind people like you (laughs) until tomorrow oh i get my lasik tomorrow until tomorrow (laughs) but you know even when women are included in science it's still very new I remember like first year biology at uni, um, I was, my my um, lecturer was telling me about female hysteria. So male boners were studied by male doctors for centuries and centuries, but female orgasms, the equivalent, or arousal, they were uh, told to be, they're hysterical. They're not aroused, they're hysterical. And it was just written off as, as that. Um, even if you look at anthropology, only males, uh, even if you look at history books, only the ma- like the males just keep coming up over and over again, history, anthropology, science, whatever it is. So when females are included now, it's only a small portion of science and it's also very, very new. So we don't have a long data set like mm-hmm. we do for men. And it's, and like, I understand it, it's tricky because in the what was it like 60s or 70s when they had the thalidomide issue where they um for for anyone who doesn't know it was a drug that was supposed to treat morning sickness a lot of women took it they didn't study it extensively enough and then babies were born without limbs um and since then women became yeah insane amount insane amounts of babies um and since then women have become like a protected status and so it's like to, to get us into studies, you're jumping through more hoops. And then it's like, well, is it really worth it when we're talking about like how, like, I don't know, random study, how, how sleep is happening or, you know, what stages we're talking about. Is it really worth it to jump through these hoops? Probably not. And so I understand from that perspective that it's like, you wouldn't want to do anything that can potentially impact fertility. There's ethics surrounding certain things. You wouldn't want to do anything that if a woman is pregnant, is this going to affect her pregnancy? If, you know, if she gets pregnant accidentally, she doesn't know when she's ovulating or whatever while she's in the middle of the study. I understand that. But it's also like this huge gaping hole when we're talking about research. Mm. Yeah. There was a period where they were willing, because even we, we briefly touched on steroids before, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in women on those where they've given them astronomical amounts of drugs. Like astronomical amounts of drugs, you would never even. Are we die. talking the seventies or something? Yeah, pretty much seventies, sixties started, and then through to the seventies and eighties, and there's still some stuff even in the early nineties. But um, yeah, I, f- I find women's physiology really interesting because I'd say, uh, like, I agree obviously that, that the the system is sensitive, and yet you're probably the most resilient. Like, there's a sensitivity concern, and then there's this resilience concern because sometimes the resilience hides the damage in regards to how much you can push a female in the training space, the food space and so on. Okay, Mm. all right. And so your ring, it takes temperature um, and then 
based off that, you can figure out what stage of the cycle a woman's in. What do you do with that data? Or is it for the coach to use or is it for the user to use? Like little from column A, little from column B. Um, yeah. it's, so we're taking heart rate and heart rate variability as well because these are obviously huge markers when it comes to stress physiology and recovery. So that's factored in as well. Um, the, there will be a practitioner and coach portal in the future where the coach and practitioner can access this data as well and also make their own recommendations. But really it's geared around that like user model for, for this first release. And the practitioner portal I'm hoping will come within a few months of the rings being released. Um, but really it's just trying to create more body literacy and getting more women in tune with their cycle because like there's so much that happens through your menstrual cycle, so many hormonal fluctuations. You can't possibly compare what's going on at the start with what's going on at the end and how you're feeling and how you're going to be performing. And it, it all hinges on that oral temperature for ovulation to confirm ovulation so that's something like an oral temperature is what you need to be doing when we're talking about confirming ovulation if you're using symptothermal methods for contraception purposes whereas when it's like a charting for health surface temperature is perfectly acceptable so when we're able to actually confirm that ovulation like it seven like seven days from there if you've got a 14 day luteal phase seven days from there you're going to be having fucking banger sessions like even around ovulation you're going to be having banger sessions you're going to be feeling so fucking good and then as everything starts to drop off just before you bleed and that's where it's like oh everything just feels heavy like you would know what this feels like where you go into a gym and you're like ugh, it just feels shit like it doesn't feel as strong as it felt a week ago and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to get my period in like a week. But no, like that, that knowledge just isn't there. And it's, it's such a shame that obviously we have so many, we have so many coaches, we have so many women that are, that are coached by coaches. And it's like this huge gaping hole. Mm. I do think it's important though that, uh, well, there's obviously some foundations that people need to establish protein, fruit and veg, consistency in the gym, making sure we're not just walking on the treadmill when we go to the gym, we're actually lifting some damn weights. Because I do know some people who, you know, are really interested in their menstrual cycle and adjusting their nutrition and their training around their menstrual cycle, but they haven't yet found consistency. And they think, oh, well, if I don't have the oh, perfect yeah. training program for my menstrual cycle, like I, I'll, I'll start training at the gym once I know that once I can have all the details right. And I think it's important that although the details are important for many people, um, start with the foundations and the details will come later. Oh, that's everything. Like I 100% agree. Like I would never put a, a client into training their cycle when they come to me unless they're doing all of the foundations right. Like if you have a complete novice coming to you, like it's someone who's never tracked before, right? You're probably not going to give them macros. You might start them with like a meal plan in the beginning to get mm. them used to like, okay, well, I'm weighing 200 grams of chicken here. I'm weighing 200 grams of cooked rice. You're probably going to start them there. And then once they build that foundation, you move them on, you move them on, you move them on. And so it's the same thing with like anything to do with training with your cycle or really honing in and working with your cycle. Like, is it necessary? Probably not if you don't have the foundations there. That's something that I only really go to for my clients who are 
honestly five or six years having worked with me and probably like your more intermediate to advanced clients mm. um can you make small adjustments based on the menstrual cycle to your training while you're working on your foundations fuck yeah like if you know that your client's about to get their period and they're a few days out from that absolutely you can pull back some of the intensity absolutely you can pull out some of the high intensity stuff do you need them periodized around their cycle probably not mm. yeah even from like a mindset perspective um you know if somebody does have the foundations down pat if they know their plan is personalized to them i feel like there's a higher motivation to stick with it because like this is for yeah. me this is going to work there's a lot more buy-in yeah, yeah. We, we spoke about this the other day have you um Olivia, in your experience found much of a I don't want to call it a nocebo effect, but where you start to educate women on their cycle, the potential implications that may have on energy and training, like you just said, at this week, you're going to feel like this and then you're going to feel like this. Have you seen a negative association at all as women become more aware of what to expect that they actually drive that expectation in themselves? Oh, do you know, not, not physically in the sense of like performance in the gym, because like, I don't know. I, I would say that my clients um, are like they're well trained in that they know how to push with intensity. They know how to train. Um, so probably not from the physical perspective, but absolutely from like that emotional perspective where they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm in my bleed. And when I'm in my bleed, this is a time where I'm supposed to be like shut away from people and, you know, honoring that that little cocoon and like so i'm just going to fully like embody that and it's like well previously you weren't fucking doing this like previously you were completely fine yeah so like okay um not not yeah not necessarily physically but absolutely from like that that emotional perspective is that something you highlight to the client because i think the the art of coaching because coaching is science and art it was Jason Galea, I'll quote him here, a good coach knows when to give their client a cuddle and when to give them a kick up the ass. Is this when you give your client a kick up the ass and be like, come on, you can get, you can go to work today, get out of bed. You were perfectly fine before we started coaching during your bleed. I'm, I'm not a cuddler in the slightest. Like my, my brother gets two hugs a year for his birthday and Christmas. So um there's absolutely no cuddling in any of my coaching whatsoever um there's a lot of kick up the housing um but yeah it, very much that's where I would be like oh okay you know interesting that you're experiencing this because last time it was fine um so it's really like I'll put it back to them with that question that it's like oh how interesting that you've experienced this oh funny last time this wasn't an issue so like more posing it's like what you do with um with with kids when they're asking a lot of questions where they're like why is the sky blue or and you're like oh, i don't fucking remember this shit um and you ask them and you're like oh why why do you think the sky's blue so like posing that question back to them so they think about it but yeah i, I can't say that i'm uh, there's a lot of cuddling in my approach and okay. I'll, I'll be very direct with clients when i say that so maybe i'm not a good coach by those standards <laughs> no that's helpful though because you were highlighting like you know well the potential negatives are highlighted during the educational process but if somebody focuses yeah. on that too much your approach is to highlight the fact that they didn't really experience those things so maybe they just focused on them too much mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's more of like okay let's not let's not focus too much on this 
Um, and it's like I say to all of them that it's like, yes, here's the textbook of what, what you're supposed to feel. Here's the textbook of how you're supposed to experience certain things. But like listen to your body as well. Like even if you are in a phase where you're supposed to be pushing intensity and you're supposed to be really feeling really good, if you feel like dog shit, don't go and push intensity in the gym. Don't go and set a PB. Like, but that's that's everything. And that's with the ring as well. Like stress physiology supersedes any recommendation that you're getting from like a training perspective with your cycle. So if you haven't recovered and your HRV has absolutely fucking tanked over the space of a few days, but you're in a phase where you should be pushing intensity, the app's going to be like, okay, maybe take a rest today. Maybe don't go to the gym. Um, so I think over, over everything, stress physiology will mm. come first. Can I put a request in for the ring? <laughs> sure. All right. So I hate it on my heaviest days, like day one and two. And in the middle of the night, sometimes you can't, like if I'm in bed for eight hours, I need to wake up in the middle of the night and change my sanitary item, you know? But I sleep through the night a lot of the time. So if the ring could like, I could set a timer, you know, in four hours from now, just like buzz on my finger. You, did you just ask for a, a finger vibrator? That's exactly what I asked. Oh, no, I people think that's totally what you use it for. for that. I would use <laughs> it for It's that. like you, you wake up and like her hands under the doona somewhere. And she's like, where's your ring? I don't know. I'll mention it to the engineers. Um, I'll see what, I'll see what they think. A little wake up. Yeah, just a little way. An alarm, a change your sanitary item alarm. Would you like that um, vibration intensity and or frequency to be manageable? Yeah, or? if there could be like <laughs> you can press a button and it goes like it pulses or it, yeah, that would be great. Give me yeah. some vibration options. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure to note the vibration options. Is there like a tempo that it needs to vibrate to a certain song? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Look, uh, I can I can do some research for you and get back to you on the best vibration. Excellent, yeah. excellent. <laughs> I do have a funny story about a vibrator if you're interested. Absolutely. Okay, so we're in Istanbul right now, and it's quite a conservative country. But um, no, what no, do you mean? No, uh, the lingerie available here. Oh yeah, well, yeah, different story. Anyways, conservative. And we were staying in this apartment, what was it, like two or three weeks ago? And um, I've obviously travelled with a vibrator because I have needs. And I was working on the couch and then all of a sudden three male electricians arrived to, like, change this light, whatever. Um, and it occurred to me about half an hour into their visit that, oh, fuck, I'm pretty sure my vibrator is out on the bedside table and maybe they were laughing about oh, I can't speak Turkish and I'm thinking like what are they am I going to go are they going to think I'm going to go to hell like what is happening here and then I thought who cares what they think it doesn't matter but there's just for some reason this shame that came over me that I had to reject <laughs> like why do I feel shame because they can see my vibrator maybe they should feel shame for laughing at it I would feel shame though if there was a pocket pussy or a flashlight on the side you would yeah Okay. That's, that's just what I was thinking where I was like, imagine if he had like a flashlight on his nightstand and yeah. then you had people coming in to change the light bulb. I don't know. I think, do you know, I think like masturbation and um, electric toys, let's just, that umbrella, um, 
there's I think there's always going to be a stigma surrounding it. I don't know if um, like you've you've obviously got a lot of people who are like super sex positive who are very open, and we're talking about you know platforms where they're very open about what they do with their sex life and posting about it. Um, but I think there's always going to be that stigma where it's like whether it's you know something that you can think back to in your childhood and parents or like did you ever have these conversations with your parents or like was was it all hush hush or like would you ever talk about you know Mm. masturbating to your mum I think there's just always going to be be that stigma surrounding it I would feel awkward as fuck if if I was in that situation but why because like both of us seem sex positive and I feel like you don't shame me for having needs everyone has needs but then why did I there's a difference between shame and also embarrassment too though I don't know if I was embarrassed I just felt shamed okay another fun story my mum found tampons in the house when I was I don't know how old 15 or 16 or something and she was appalled that I had lost my virginity to a cotton tampon which <laughs> do you what nationality is your mum my mum's we have the same she's a very catholic mother <laughs> when I remember when I was like 14 and it was a very similar thing where I was like trying to find um, pads in my mum's mum's bathroom and then I found a tampon I'd never seen a tampon before in my life up to this point and I found it and I was like what's this and she took them and she's like it's something you use after you've had kids and I was like oh okay so it's like obviously like you're not you're not putting anything in there under and like after kids because obviously that's the only time you you have sex um and it's so funny because every time I do a podcast someone will say something and this like deep memory gets unlocked and I'm like oof how long was that pushed down for oh man (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I'm one of three boys in a in a male dominant household with a really open family. Not sexually open, but like we're willing to laugh and joke about it, right? Mm. But um, I just would never have thought tampons would ever have been something a that substitute could, for a cock. Yeah, but or even <laughs> considered to be like I'm like no. you're a girl, you get your period, you use a tampon. That that's just what happens. A B C. Like, what do you mean that there's this? You don't, there's a stigma attached to it from mothers that you probably shouldn't put something in there. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't, well, my mind. If, if you now, now I think we have a 100% success rate here with knowing where that stigma is coming from. And it's Catholic mothers who are from Eastern European, Eastern European blocks mm. or Venezuela. <laughs> Conservatism. Because honestly, um, all jokes aside, there are a lot of drawbacks to having a period like women who have really painful periods take more days off work they're less likely to get promotions because they take time off blah blah blah. and then having stigma around tampons just adds another layer to that because we already you know with really painful cramps or even just the um the risk of a bleed coming through and being embarrassed like through your pants you feel like you can't participate in sport or go out to social events or wear particular things. And then when a young girl is discouraged from wearing a tampon, because God forbid she loses her virginity to a cotton tampon, then there's even like with a pad, there's even more restrictions. You know, it feels bulky. You can't wear certain things. You certainly don't want to wear a skirt. I just think we need to be reducing the impact of periods on women as far as we can. Obviously there's like a biological glass ceiling there. So we're not going to tell them to go down to the water. No, they, they shouldn't be bathing in the water to get their, their toxic blood away from men because they don't want to poison them. Um, 
I think yeah. I think we're making mm. good steps in that direction, though. Like, I, I think that women's health and, like, all of this period positivity that we're having is really in its infancy. And I think in, like, five to ten years from now, you're going to have a generation of women who have no shame whatsoever um, in talking about any of their menstrual health issues or what's going on. Like, you know, my bless him I don't know if my boxing coach has ever had a client as open as I am with with my period but anytime I'm about to get my period and my boxing session falls on that I'll straight away be messaging him and be like hey sorry got my period can't and he's almost just like okay and sends back a boxing emoji like a boxing love emoji um but I really think we're in we're in our infancy at the moment which is amazing like you know think back to the infancy of so many things with like strength and conditioning and like now look at what it is and like the powerlifting competitions we have or like the infancy of like bodybuilding and then like how it exploded um I think yeah I think we're in for it for amazing things happening in about five to ten years mm, I think so, you're right shall we predict how what the the worst case scenario when the pendulum swings a little bit too far is that, what what's is that going to be oh okay you know like everything everything is the movement the pendulum swings Mm-hmm. And it goes a little bit too far. What's it going to be? What? Or in this instance, it might be the, the, the tampon swinging. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like pendulum swings too far. Uh, is it weird that I also thought of you hitting a boxing bag as a tampon? <laughs> I was like, giant, I think this might be the perfect time to go to boxing. Giant yeah. tampons as boxing bags. Yeah. Okay. If the pendulum is to swing too far, Dean, I think that men would be simulating periods to feel involved. Oh, geez, that's not going to happen. But that's too far. That's no, what you're asking. No man wants to feel that. But you're asking if the okay. pendulum swings too far, and that's what I think is too far. Don't uh-huh. you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that would, yeah. Okay. They do well, that. They I, do I have would um, say... what, electronic machines that you can put on for cramps, right, for, for pregnancy. So they do, which is, which is great. That. Yeah, tense machines. Um, yeah. I reckon if the pendulum swings too far, you're going to have, um, period removed and ovulation removed from what what we what we know is like menstrual health you have those words removed and you'll have um, like a very gender neutral way of saying bleeding okay like that that's that's if the pendulum swings Ooh, too far because of yeah. all the it current be- complexities around gender <clears throat> And then mm. periods are um, exclusive to biological females. Mm. So you think that mm. some females that aren't born female, biologically female, would feel excluded? Yes. Um, so, and, and this is such a tricky topic, right, because you will have women who say they don't identify as women and they don't want the word woman used in reference to them and they prefer something like bleeder or uterus haver which in my mind is so much fucking worse to be referred to as an as an organ and like that's what you are mm-hmm. um and then you and then you've got women who are like fucking I dare you to call me a bleeder or a uterus haver like I'm a woman um so god god help us god help oh, it's us. complicated <laughs> call me whatever you want listeners i don't give a shit i'm a masculine female whatever i i I love the masculine female energy the the tomboy energy (laughs) i just can't pretend to be anything else it's too exhausting Hmm. no i'm i'm with you on that i've been told many times before that i am um 
my energy is too masculine and it needs to be more feminine. Which, Isn't it like, funny though that that would be celebrated if you were actually a dude? What, masculine energy? Yeah. Could, yeah. Well, I, I don't think that people need to stop taking masculine energy as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a, a, like an insult. I don't think it's an insult at all. Because no. if we're to open the can of gender studies just super quickly, when we talk about masculinity and femininity, remove sex, we're just talking about the gender here, feminine traits would be things like, you know, vulnerability, softness, indecisiveness, things like that. When we're talking about masculine traits, we're talking about decisiveness, leadership, you know, sharp-minded, things like that. And so I love that um, when someone calls me masculine, even if they mean it as an insult, I'm like, fantastic. I do think I'm a good leader. I do think that I'm decisive and, you know, I'm not too emotional to stick to a decision that I've made. Mm. and I don't think that when people call your traits masculine, they do always mean it as an insult. Sometimes they might, but like, fuck, what people think of me is none of my business. But yeah, we just need to, and there's also some males who have feminine traits in the sense that they're like emotionally vulnerable. And like, that's not always terrible either. Having emotional traits and masculine traits as a combination is up to your subjective opinion, whether that's good or bad. And I think yeah. we all can have all of them, can't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, people talk about um, toxic masculinity, but no one talks about toxic femininity and the fact that like, oh, well, like you're a human being that is a little bit too masculine, you need to be more feminine. That's toxic as fuck. So it goes goes both ways. Um, That's so true. I hadn't thought about that before. Hmm. Yeah. Toxic femininity. I'm going to be thinking about that. It exists. It exists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now... This has been a really interesting chat and I'd love to summarise it with a tip that you can give our audience. What do you like to ask? Well, a be less shit tip. Sure. Do we have a be less shit tip for, oh, I suppose any listeners or even female listeners specific on how they can be less shit? Um, be less shit by being aware of your cycle and not ignoring it. Um, and that's also to the like in coaches, be less shit by actually factoring in the menstrual cycle when it comes to your client Um, because even if it's you know if you've got someone who's got a heavy bleed if you've got someone who's got a painful bleed if you've got someone who's got a really long bleed there's reasons for that so these are huge health markers that you can be looking to to improve what's going on with yourself or with your client so yeah be less shit by not ignoring your bleed And what advice would you give to coaches out there who are like, I understand this is really important, but I don't currently have the knowledge or skills to know what to do with this data? Um, Yeah, what what would you say to those coaches? Well, I mean, I'm in the midst of writing a course for women's like coaching and health. So you can just find me there. Um, But really just start reading. Um, the some of the best places that you're going to find information when it comes to menstrual health is actually going to be not in communities, which is like training and powerlifting and bodybuilding. You're going to find them in communities of women who practice symptothermal methods, so who are using their vital markers so their cervical mucus their cervix position and their temperature to not use hormonal birth control and to either conceive or avoid pregnancy if you start going into those communities holy shit are you going to learn a lot like even some of the facebook groups that i'm in 
where women will start commenting about like, hey, this is going on with my cycle and some of the things women are saying back to them. I'm like, where the fuck did, did you guys learn this? And they're just average women who are just super in tune with your body. Mm. So, yeah, start start looking to, to communities and places where you might not have actually um, thought to go. Do you think after this recording you can share some of those Facebook groups and I can attach uh, the, the, the links to the Facebook groups in the description? Oh, fuck Absolutely. I'll send you some Instagram profiles as well of some amazing health practitioners and coaches and holistic practitioners who post a lot of stuff about women's health. Um, and that would just be for anyone who's listening. If they go there, they're just to get like their mind is going to be blown. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Love it. Um, look, boys, if you're not coaches or have your period, but you want to learn about this because you want to impress a girl on your first date, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ask her, so ask her about use. the length of her bleed. <laughs> What kind of? <laughs> like I really enjoyed our chat today. Um, what stage yeah, of your no, cycle? So got, but I just want to check if this personality is at the good end or at the bad end. Can I just quickly just do an oral temperature? <laughs> uh, you imagine. That's so funny. Um, okay. Maybe, well, you know what? Maybe there should be questionnaires that go out on menstrual cycle position for dating, just like women on birth control when they find their man and then get off birth control later on. What was that one? The rule: pheromone changes in sweat patterns and. Their interest in men change depending on the hormonal status. And then there's a whole bunch of divorced people out there because they've got off birth control when they're 40 and they realise their dudes are feminine male that they don't like. <laughs> they only like them when they were on birth control. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, they've done so much research into this and it's insane. It's actually insane what they found with it. Do you want to share on with us? Hormonal birth control. Well, they found that when they gave chimpanzees um, the hormonal birth control, male chimpanzees would rather masturbate than have sex with the female chimpanzees <laughs> who've been given exogenous hormones. And like, and, and what you were just saying, Dean, when it came to the um, the pheromone changes, when women come off of hormonal birth control, they're not attracted to the same people. Like, that's mm. crazy, but it's like we'll be here for another two hours if you start me on hormonal birth control. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny about the chimpanzees. Hey, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do chimpanzees feel shame around masturbation? Like, do they hide in a corner? I am going to say no, okay. um, just based on the fact that they caught them masturbating in a study. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Fair also, enough. they'll have sex with. And just an open in the zoo oh do you know that giraffes so like what is it over 90 percent of male giraffes have gay sex yeah we looked this up the other day about gay animals don't ask why <laughs> dean's google search um, is a bit fucked but... yeah apparently giraffes will get down no matter what <laughs> so what are what are the animals that are most gay in the animal kingdom well, we well giraffes are the most gay they reckon giraffes are the most i don't know how scientific this this uh, read was, this is a google search yeah um but bonobos were obviously one of them. Yeah, bonobos just have sex for everything. To say <laughs> hello, to celebrate because they're bored. They are the horniest motherfuckers. Mm, there was quite a few. Oh. Uh-oh. At least it's poor. Sorry, the internet's just cut out for us. I don't know if you can hear us. I have some clients like that. <laughs> <laughs> um the internet has just cut out and then it's there come back when you said i have some clients like that some super horny bonobo clients that's fantastic <laughs> oh yeah it, it's insane like because they some of them do actually track their temperature and they'll log when when they've um, had sex because they're, they're, some of them are actually looking to conceive and i look at how much sex they're having and i'm like 
God, how are you walking? Like, how do you have time to do anything else in your day when you're having this much sex? Holy crap. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, the, there's a few of them. Good for them. There's a Good few for of them. them. Good for them. Props, props to them. <laughs> now, Olivia, if you um, had something to share with our audience that you think would be valuable, obviously we're going to share a link to your social media and to the smart ring that you've got um, coming up. But other than that, is there something that you'd like to share with the audience? book or a um, yeah mm-hmm. the book and I actually remember writing this down so like props to me for remembering it because I was so sure that I would forget um there's a book that I have read by Adam Grant and it's called Think Again and it is honest to God one of the best books I've ever read in my life and the whole premise is really rethinking a lot of these opinions and dogmatic beliefs that we have grown to have where we don't even know why we have them and some of them are like like think about the abortion discussion right people get very heated in that they get very heated with their opinion very heated when they come up against someone has a different opinion and you're not actually able to to listen and so that book and the the inward reflection you'll have after it of like why do I actually think this or like is like okay I don't think the world is flat but hey, am I actually open to reading some of that instead of like straight away putting my arms up and being like, no, no, that's crazy. Mm. It's, yeah, it's one of the best books. And if if you're able to rethink some of your beliefs, I mean, this is what we have with coaching, right? Where we're, we're constantly learning and rethinking and saying like two years ago, what we were saying, we're like, oh my God, shit, I can't believe I thought that. Mm. Um, but it goes for all of your opinions in life and what you believe so 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 passionately particularly when it comes to anything that has like an emotional reaction to it it's such a great book did you do the audiobook version or a hard copy no I'm a I'm a reader I'm a I've got a very good photographic memory when I can see things in front of me mm-hmm. whereas if I hear it I'm like oh I heard it somewhere whereas if I read it I can see the page in my head I can see what part of the page it was on if I ever need to go back and find it I'm a reader so jealous now if that you, if you can't tell like, yeah I like that you've color-coded your bookcase behind you it's very impressive thank you thank you very much <laughs> yeah uh, one of the things that sucks about traveling traveling's awesome but I can't travel with books because they take up a lot of space and weight in my suitcase and so the next best thing I do a lot of audiobooks too but I prefer to read so the next best thing is a kindle um, which I'm getting quite handy with. You can like highlight and leave comments on your highlight and like go back and forth between chapters. It's not quite as good as the real deal, but it's the next best thing, you know? It, it's it's like it's the vibrator when the dick is gone. Like it's, <laughs> exactly. it's okay. It's okay. It does the job. It's but, not like the, yeah, real the real deal. It's not the real thing. Until you find the oscillator 3000. <laughs> then then you <laughs> <laughs> until no, the basal body ring has like know. a vibrator in it <laughs> <laughs> no nothing nothing's like the real deal okay second last segment for you i'm going to play you a song to introduce the segment it's called hot topic mm. you ready i am okay. hot to topic 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 uh, I'm also a singer, in case you didn't know. <laughs> now, hot to topic. We're going to ask you a question that doesn't have a right or wrong answer. This is more opinion-based. It's Dean, got some juice. Would you like to fire it at Olivia? 
Yeah, and then you can tell me if I got it right. Okay. We discussed it for about 30 seconds before the call. <laughs> Dean, go. Amazing. Where do you sit on the opinion, or what is your opinion, I should say, on women using sex to sell coaching? Yeah, coaching or popularity online, which they'll later use to you to sell fitness. Fit, fitness, <laughs> fitness industry use of sex. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, See, if you're a porn star and you use sex to sell, that's directly your target audience. Mm. But we're not talking about porn stars. We're talking about coaches. People. Yeah, you get it. Look, for those that are listening and not watching, I didn't expect us to get Olivia to curl into a little ball. She hid a, her face under her T-shirt. There's a moment of like, oh, what am I about to do here? She hid. Oh, no. Um, and I say this with... Um, Oh, fuck. Oh. I like I have made I think a lot of mistakes in my early social media um, presence with like things I posted or what I thought I was supposed to be posting um, whether it came to like photo shoots or content or you know sex cells and you get heavily into like okay well like I have to have to post these likes and engagement and people commenting and followers um, and it's only really, I would say, over the last few years that I've been like, fuck, that's just such a shitty, shitty way to grow a business and grow grow a coaching business. And, like, it's got no reflection whatsoever on the results you can get clients, on the knowledge you have, on the care you have for clients, on the passion you have for the industry. Like, it doesn't show anything. Um, so when it comes to seeing women posting, I genuinely look at like some of the things they post and I'm like, oh, fuck, like it almost feels like you're going to have this moment of like, why the fuck did I post that? But then it's like you like, well, no, women can post what they want. They can do what they want. They can share what they want. But then like that inward reflection of like, looking at some of the shit that I've posted I'm like oh fuck what like why did I think I have to post that so it's almost like some of the stuff I see a lot of fitness profiles sharing I'm like you don't fucking have to share that to have a successful business to be helping people to be growing a presence online to be doing all of these things so Mm. I don't know if that answered your question or if that was just a big fucking rant from me well it's comforting to know that I'm not the only one that's stuck between, oh, women should be able to post what they want and share their bodies because we live in the fucking 21st century. But mm. also, personally, I also feel like, well, maybe you shouldn't because we're already objectified enough. We're seen as like sexual objects. Maybe I want to be seen for my brain or my skills or my passion. And just selling sex just minimizes you to like the shell of your body. So I kind of hear that you're like... <sighs> you feel both like me maybe yeah I do and it's oh it's just so fucking hard because it's like I often think about some of the stuff that I'll write in like an email right like some of the if, I, if I'm writing an email to a woman like there's often this feeling where it's like oh we'll have to put in an extra exclamation mark have to put in smiley a smiley face. face have to have to show that I'm not being um too aggressive with them Whereas when I write emails to men, it's straight to the point every single time. They don't need my explanation of, of why. They don't need the 10-page the paragraph 
essay of what's going on. And so it's the same thing where I'm like, well, fucking men don't have to post this. Mm. Men, men don't have to hypersexualize themselves to have successful businesses and to, to grow social media presences or to coach or help people. They don't have to. Like, sure, it's impressive when they have, you know, a great six-pack, a great physique, and they're showing that off. But they don't have to hypersexualize themselves. And it's like that, that level that um, women will go to which again, like I've posted this stuff before and I look back and I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't have to do that. But it's like, you're not going to have men posting a fucking photo of their ass with their asshole almost falling out of their underwear at the beach to get engagement and clients, mm. whereas women will. And it's, yeah, it's hard, like, because it very much is that, like, well, you know, you post what you want to, but then it's also like, you don't fucking have to be posting that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's also um, a difference between sexualizing a man and a woman too in that like well a man with a his man, shirt off man, isn't necessarily sexual correct but also a man with his shirt off is weirdly associated with brains as opposed to a woman with her shirt nearly off is associated with sexuality yeah okay. you know, so like a guy would be impressed by a guy with his shirt off so therefore it's not being sexualized because men looking at men going hey, oh he knows what good. he's doing he knows yeah. what he's doing he must know he must have a big brain because he's got big big pecs whereas to flip it and go the women with the big boobs that are only just covering the nipple, just, they're also probably going to be followed primarily by men for that in a sexual manner and not for the purpose of what else does she have to bring to the table mm. from a, a brain perspective. So, Well, yeah. I pose this question back to you, right? When you see a 14-year-old girl or 14-year-old student who has the relationship with a teacher who's in their 20s you think that's fucking gross what a pedo he's preyed on her he's groomed her when it's a 14 year old boy who has sex with a 20 something year old teacher everyone's mm, doing this mm. but and it's only be. recent but it shouldn't be absolutely shouldn't be um, um and even more so when you realize that men mature so much later and it's really like it's even more creepy and gross so it's like mm. that same thing right we're like i look at that and i'm like that's predatory that's grooming like that's a child and even now if there's like an 18 year old like I think back to some 18 year olds that I've seen because I used to work at the door at a nightclub and I'd see 18 year olds coming in with like 50 year old women and like you know that milk sort of situation and, and like I look at that now and I'm like that's disgusting and then you'd see like 18 year old girls with those kinds of men and then the same thing it's like you know you do what you want be with who you want to be or whatever but it's predatory like well, it is. We call the, the women in these instances milfs and cougars. <laughs> yeah. And, and we call the yeah. man in the flip a, a pedo. Yeah. Pedo and, and, and predator. Yeah. yeah. Well, because we do have this idea that, like, you know, women are vulnerable and men are all creeps. And, like, although that is the case some of the time, it, there's creepy women and vulnerable men. Mm. But so, I, do you th so do, do you think then women should be using sex to sell fitness or do you think that they should be pulling back and trying to sell well maybe else? the question is how do you feel about okay, them doing fair, that yeah. not do you think if they should how do you feel about women being sexual to increase their social presence to sell fitnessy stuff i think that there are better ways to sell things that do not involve sex and i am more impressed with someone who is able to sell with their brain, mm. if that is the most diplomatic answer that I can possibly give. 
um, because like you said, at the end of the day, post what you want to post. If it gives you happiness, it gives you happiness. Um, if it gives you joy, it gives you joy. But there are just, there are better ways to be seen I think. Yeah. But also have some well, it certainly does work to a point for a certain type of selling. Mm. Um, and I, my major concern outside of that, even if not, in my, it's not my major concern, actually, from a business perspective, I think you have to ask yourself, like, what happens in 25 years when I don't have this body that I'm selling? How, what's my marketing strategy then? Mm. Yeah. Like who am, who am well, I by that point, hmm? Well, by that point, they've um, invested into the housing market, into a Ponzi scheme, and they don't have to worry about their physique. But it's, and it, the thing that kills me about that, right, is because it's, it's hook, line and sinker. Like you have clients who buy into that. I want to look like this fitness person because this is the program they did. And it's like, no, no, you're not going to fucking look anything like that because for so many reasons, you're not using the same performance enhancing drugs. You don't have the same lifestyle. You're not making millions of dollars from this where your stress is non-existent. You live in a two-bedroom unit with a roommate and you're working minimum wage and you're working a second job to try and like you're not going to look like that but they give their hard-earned money to these people in hopes of looking like them and I think that's what kills me the most where it's like that that reflection of that physique is not a reflection of their ability to coach and it's not an ability of it's not a reflection of their ability to get you results it's an it's a reflection of what their values are which is you know, prioritizing potentially if we're excluding drugs, prioritizing sleep, recovery, training, eating well. It's a reflection of their values. Mm. No, that's a really good point. Mm. Now I'm going to throw a would you rather at you. Lay it on me. It goes like this. Uh, we know that being active on social media is a very good marketing strategy for business. And it's a way to keep clients involved. It's a way to, you know, share your values with potential new clients, blah, blah, blah. Would you rather have to get off social media for the next two years, no one can post on your behalf, or put up one nude a fortnight? <laughs> uh, get off social media. Like, I'd be happy to get... Can you give me a harder one to compare with? Because I'd get off social media for anything. Like, would you rather um, have a million dollars or get off social media? Get off social media. <laughs> really? But why aren't you getting off social media then? Because I fucking need it for work. <laughs> okay. But so you're willing to give it up for two years? I give it up for two years. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know that there's a key to would you rather's, right? And and we had, for anyone who's listening, we had this discussion before we hopped on to um, record about how passionately we feel about would you rather's. The key to would you rather is always short-term suffer over long-term suffer because that's that's the every would you rather has a short-term pain or a long-term pain always pick the short-term pain always so i would rather delete for two years than to have to post nudes every two weeks okay mm. i see i see so it's the same thing like the double would you, pain then yeah well would you rather like so the the classic would you rather watch your parents have sex every night or join in once to make it stop mm. it's a good one fuck so you're you would it's join a, in. it's a classic I just get it, get it over and done with, get absolutely shit-faced drugs for days, cover those eyes, fucking I'm obliterated. Okay. But the there's long-term emotional yeah, but, pain. But what, if, what, okay, what if there isn't a long-term? The other would you rather is that, is that you're in between your mum and your dad, for me, right? My dad's an inch in me, I'm an inch in my mum. Do I push backwards or go forwards to get out? 
That's not long. That's there's no long term or short term on this one. There's just a choice. All right. Let's say you were a dude and you were in between your parents, an inch in your mom and your dad's an inch in you. Do you push back or do you push forward? You'd have to push forward. Would you? Why? <laughs> because if you pushed back, you'll know why you don't push back. <laughs> why, the, why the choice to push forward is easier. I'm anal adverse, so I hear you. <laughs> push for move forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I do feel like there's that's, no question so cool. too tricky for olivia i do love it um would you like to play would you rathers with me in dms on social media absolutely absolutely I, okay i'm gonna think of horrendous ones for you i like i like it there's would you rather slice all the webbing in your fingers or <laughs> with paper or put needles under your nails well just one needle per nail how far yeah, so slice all your webbing. Uh -huh. That's the problem with would you rather. I know, like too many questions. No, I'm going needles. Too I'm many questions. Decide. I'm going to slice the webbing. I'm going to paper cut the webbing. No, because the needles you'll pull out and then they'll be all right. They'll just be bruised tips. But the, the webbing, every time you open them, you'll re-split them. <sighs> the thought of it, I'm just like, my poor, my poor webbing. My poor, poor webbing. It's like mm. the actual thought of it just makes me... <laughs> All right, listeners, I would love for you to answer the question, would you rather paper cut the webbing of your fingers mm. or needles under your nails? If you're listening, comment on whatever platform you're on. We'd love to know. Olivia, if people wanted to reach out and um, get in touch with you, either about the, the smart ring that you've got coming up or coaching or just to follow your content, where could they find you? The Lifting Doula or Femtech, so F-E-M dot T-E-K, because someone stole the name without the dot and it's the bane of my existence <laughs> that is the worst you're trying to find names damn it oh exactly no and then they're like here for five thousand dollars you can have it no i'll keep the dot <laughs> i'll keep the dot <laughs> <laughs> all right well it was lovely chatting with you um listeners Thank and you so i've on youtube thanks for coming along for the ride thanks for um, having me guys yeah we'll speak in dms